going on i am josh so focused i'm french the bro host and we would like to welcome you to the mixtape podcast the mixtape podcast the mixtape this is episode 36 <laughs> and this is a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week and if you want to find us on our socials you can check us out first on twitter at the Knicks Take. Then go to YouTube and search Knicks Take Videos. Then follow on Instagram at The Knicks Take. And last, Facebook at Knicks Take Media. All right. Very short week in, start in terms of games. Very interesting week. Before we get to that, French, I surprisingly did a lot of reading, did a lot of podcast listening this week. Did a lot of, well, a lot more research than I usually do, which is interesting considering that it wasn't for free agency or the draft. That's usually what I do most of the research. And I think, I think I was really just trying to get a better sense of this team as we enter the uh, trade deadline. And that is basically what my week has mostly been up to. How about you? What have you been doing this week? I've mostly just been trying to see any type of Knicks information anytime possible mm -hmm. for like 24 hours a day. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of my week was just listening to podcasts, reading articles, hearing non-Knicks related podcasts just to see what kind of trades might be happening around the league. Just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of that throughout the week. Your week was kind of like mine, then. Yeah. So every week is pretty much like that, though. <laughs> well, since this has been a very Knicks centric week for us, and there's not really nothing much going on outside of that, let's just get to it. Let's talk. What did we talk about last week, French? Well, we mostly was talking about trade stuff, trade news, rumors, all that type of stuff. That was the main takeaways from last episode for me. What about you? We we covered you know the games where we talked about the Cavs, the Heat, the Bucks, the Bucks games, and we also talked a lot about Julius Randle and his poor play. Yeah, we talked about the trade rumors, and yeah, that that was mostly it. So we're probably gonna talk about some of that stuff a little bit more as this episode goes goes on, especially since we we're only talking covering two games. But before we do that, let's talk about one guy who's been missing for weeks now, who this team is desperately, desperately clamoring to come back into this lineup, Mr. Derek Rose. Derek Rose. Derek Rose announced at the beginning of this week that he's aiming to make his return after the trade deadline somewhere around February 25th is what is what it's kind of looking like. And... I don't know how to feel about it. Like he said, said that he's saying a lot of positive things and 
I definitely like last year when he when we traded for Derrick Rose that turned around the season for us for sure. It went we went from being a scrappy team that was at about five hundred to starting to be a winning team. And while I do think that we're going to improve with Derrick Rose back, I just don't think that it really makes a difference when he comes back. I disagree. <laughs> I feel like Derrick Rose could provide everything that we've needed throughout this late stretch of just having to rely on only Emmanuel Quigley and Kemba Rose for point guard play. I think Derrick Rose is going to be able to provide speed and quickness that isn't on the roster right now. More decisive playmaking passes that neither point guard has been able to show abilities to make. And his comfort in Tom Thibodeau's system, I feel like, is really missed right now. It it doesn't seem like we have a point guard who's just on the same page with the with the coach in terms of what he wants to run, like Derrick Rose normally is. So I think he's going to be bringing back a more steady consistency to offense now that his ankles have all healed up. Because remember, before he, he went out, I, I, I'm i the one that called out Derrick Rose because he just didn't look the same. I kept saying that he was very inconsistent. He wasn't making very great decisions when he was out there on the court because now we find out he's been injured that time with swelling in his ankle that he needed to get uh Have surgery. fixed through surgery. Yeah, so now that he's healthy, I expect to see Derrick Rose back at the top of his game now that he doesn't have to worry about his feet anymore so I think the second half of this year with Cam Reddish coming in that's what I'm really most excited to see about Derrick Rose is how he's going to get Cam Reddish integrated into the offense or on the bench the bench lineup I feel like it's going to be so much better now because <clears throat> pending whatever happens at the trade deadline I see Deuce McBride getting into the rotation as a result of whatever happens in this next week. Well, that, uh, but yeah, I, I, I was going to say, you kind of put in the cart before the horse because the, you're talking about bringing in another person into this lineup when we don't even know who is going to leave this lineup, if anyone will. Yeah, Derrick Rose is coming back, and yeah, we've been bereft of talent at the point guard position, but Derrick Rose coming back doesn't mean that all of a sudden Kemba Walker's out and unless we get rid of some of these guys that are currently in the rotation how do you see minutes for Cam Reddish how do you get more time for Quentin Grimes when we, like that that's the thing that you have to kind of discuss first you have to discuss okay when Derek Rose comes back what does that mean for the lineup we're already running 10 deep now Without him. Yeah, but by the time Derrick Rose comes back, the trade deadline's already going to have been passed. So and what do you think is going to... It's already been reported that the Knicks are trying to make trades yes. to open up a spot for But Cam they're Rush. not going to just make a trade just to make a trade either. Like, uh, we have to be cognizant of that. They're not going to just make a trade just to be like, okay, we need to open up time for Cam Reddish. All of these, all of these guys that are playing deserve playing time. And I would, from what I've seen, and we could talk about that later, but I've seen... Cam Reddish doesn't really deserve time over any of them. That's not a fair assessment based, based on, on what he's shown since he's been we've here. We've only seen him in garbage time. Yeah. When we see him coming into the game 
in the first in the first quarter at the end of the first quarter. If he was and see him get integrated, just like how Quentin Grimes got integrated, just like Jericho Sims got integrated. Like we, I feel like that's when you could judge him. If it was if he was starter level talent, we would we would definitely have noticed it in the minutes that he's played. Not to say that he's a scrub, he's not. I do think that he is a rotation player. I just don't. I don't. I don't see why you would disrupt the momentum of the bench because the men- bench has still been playing well. I don't know why you would break that up just to bring Cam Reddish in. So that that that's just all I really want to say. If the Knicks don't do anything, what does that change? What does that change for us? I don't see Derrick Rose coming back and starting, regardless of anything. I don't see. You saying a whole lot of things that are that you're hoping are going to happen, but that requires guys to be moved that we have no idea whether they're going to be moved at all. Yeah, Kemba but Walker we, might be moved, we, but I don't think they're just going to get rid of Kemba Walker just to get a second round pick. Like they they can include not him making in a move. Not making a move itself is making a move because you've had half the season to see this lineup together, and you see that it doesn't work. They don't, they don't work well together. Kemba Walker halfway through the season is still saying he's he's playing in a new role that he's never had to play in before. He's still adjusting. Yes. That's not what you want to be hearing halfway through the season, even if it is your first season on a new team. Well, you want to be seeing There's extenuating circumstances of, for that as well, is there not? Sorry to cut you off, but the, we did pull Kemba Walker out of the rotation for a little while, and then he also got injured after that. So... While, while, yeah, we're more than halfway through the season. You don't want to hear this kind of stuff. When we're talking about him specifically, there's a reason for that. And it's not entirely his fault. You, you could even say, you could say it's 50-50. You could say, nah, I wouldn't even say 50-50. You could say the majority of it is not his fault because he got hurt because he was being overplayed because we didn't have Derrick Rose and we had no other uh, initiator that we could trust. And he got pulled out of the lineup 20 games into the season because it was supposed to make us better and instead we played worse. So. But I don't think because of the fact that we played worse is an indication that we're better with Kemba in the lineup. It's we played worse because Alec Burks just isn't a point guard. If we could bring somebody else in, I don't know who that somebody is, but yeah, if we're able to bring someone else in, in the, at the deadline in exchange for a Kemba Walker or in exchange for some other veteran player on his team, like Alfred Payton? I feel like, no. <laughs> like somebody who actually deserves to play. I'd much rather see Ish Smith on the Knicks than Alfred Payton type of players. So I feel like that type of move would make us better. A Ish Smith kind of trade. Even it's not a home run. We need to bat a single at the trade deadline. And I don't even watch baseball, but it just made like the most sense to make that type of a... Uh, no, that, you, you, that was a good analogy for you not watching baseball. So I don't I don't think that Kemba Walker has to get treated by the trade deadline. I do think that they should First of all, I don't think that they should prioritize trading away Kemba Walker at the deadline. I think they should prioritize making Kemba Walker part of a trade package to get somebody who will help this team in some form or fashion. I don't I I still believe that Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose playing 48 minutes a night at the one spot 
makes us a better team. I, I, I still believe that if you have real point guards at the one and you have Julia, not Julius Randle, excuse me, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel at the five for 48 minutes, you can't, you are more able to succeed than not. The problem is that wasn't true for the first half of the season. And also Julius Randle has been playing basura for a good portion of the season as well. So with all those things combined, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, they actually absolutely have to trade Kemba Walker. I'm not even going to say they absolutely have to get rid of Evan Fournier. I would like to see them do something, but at the same time, if they don't, I'm not going to be mad. And when Derrick Rose comes back, I don't think it's going to change anything because we're going to be too far gone into the season for us to really do anything. Maybe we can try and get that 10th seed so that we can get in the play-ins and then force our way into the playoffs. That's always a possibility, but we don't have that many games left to do that. And I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you in terms of the need to trade away Kemba Walker or trade away Evan Fournier, but we need to trade somebody. We know that the formula that we have right now just isn't working. But yeah, and but there's no evidence that it will turn for the better because even when we're playing at our best, we're not, we're not a, an elite team. You get what I'm saying? The formula that we're we not, have right now is based on a team that barely is played together. Like, at, it, at, its, at, its, at its optimal, like, when was the last time, when did we ever have Kemba Walker, Derrick Rose, Nerlens Noel, and Mitchell Robinson all playing at 100% health and playing just average? We've never had well, that You could year. say that about half the teams in the NBA. The Miami Heat hasn't been healthy all year. They're the number one seed in the East. 100, 100% you could say that, but we're not. Golden State Warriors. But we're, we're, you're saying that we know what this team is. And I'm saying I don't know if we can say that we know what this team is because of just the way that the season is played out. And there's a lot of teams that should be better than they are who aren't because they're in the same boat as the Knicks. I'm just saying, like, we don't have to get rid of somebody, but we should. We should get rid of. We should make a trade. We should try to package some of these guys so that we can have more talent so that we can be a better team but if we can't do that then you stay pat it's not it's not a necessity to get rid of these guys these veteran players even the guys who are playing poorly because as Evan Fournier show, showed I was I was very eager to get rid of Evan Fournier Evan Fournier might be one of our top four players right now like throughout the season as, as the season goes on he he is shooting very well he's what he's one of the highest on the team in terms of effective field goal percentage. And do, do, but do that's you, not a complete shock. It's Evan not a, Fournier has provided evidence throughout the season. He hasn't been steady, like a steady shooter throughout the season. He hasn't been consistent every single game, but we've seen these 30-point games throughout the season yep. at times. 100%. It started off where it was just against Boston, but then he started to heat up against other teams too, and we've seen evidence of that week can't say that about every veteran on this on this no, team. No, we can't. No, we can't. So, but the more there's we, there's, we've seen there's enough pro, minutes of there's pros and of, cons of for every guy. I'm sorry, 
There's pros and cons uh-huh. for every every player on almost every player on this team as far as whether they are tradable or not. And that's the thing. It's like if you have pros and cons and and the way that this season is gone, you know, what do you do? And that's a question, that's a question that's a tough question for the front office to answer. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say that the veterans that we have seen a steady amount of minutes from, even though there have been injuries and stuff like that, we've seen enough minutes from them like a Julius Randle where he's been playing lackadaisical and we've seen him play with energy enough times that you could just list it on your hand that 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 was that was it. The times that he played it great, you remember those games. Mm-hmm. Every other game he's played horrible. Mm-hmm. He's played lack of energy, bad, bad body language, getting thrown out of game. How many times he got ejected from a game just this season alone? I can't even remember. It's been it's been a couple though, right? It's he He's only been ejected from one game this season that I remember, but the fact what that team was that? it was the Memphis Grizzlies game, the last one. But then he get kicked out of Brooklyn. He, yes, he also got cooked, but that was like at the end of the game. I, I don't really consider so that. So was Memphis. <laughs> I, I don't really consider that. Yeah, that's true. So, so too, but you're, you, Julius Randle is the only person on this team that I feel like you can make a very great case to say that the Knicks should trade him and you're and and still say and and even when you say that he he's you can make the best case that out of any player on this team that's the one guy that they should trade even if you're saying like he's the last guy they should trade because of his contract because of his status and all that stuff He's the one guy that you could make more more of a case that they should trade him than any other player on this team. And even with him, you could be like, but don't trade him now. Wait, wait till the offseason yeah. at the very least. And when I was reading, when I was doing my research for this episode, it did nothing for my, my fandom of Julius Randle. Absolutely nothing. I saw videos mm-hmm. of him not coming to the Knicks team huddle. I saw, I, I looked at stats of where he's taking shots and where he's not taking shots and what I've seen videos of his lack of effort on defense, his lackadaisical effort when it comes to off the ball defense, his lackadaisical effort when it came to him making a switch and defending a guard and not doing anything to prevent them from getting to the basket. I've seen videos of Julius Randle's comments to the media. It, it's just so much in the past, you know, just from what I've read and, and watched and listened to this week, that it's like, yo, we, sh- we absolutely need to get rid of this guy. And it's so surprising. But I know we've just gone on a, off on a tangent off of Derrick Rose. But if this all ties in together because... When Derrick Rose comes back, we're going to have, we already have a roster issue in terms of having too much talent. How do we clear off that talent? And I think the best way to clear off that talent is to get rid of our best player and package him with other players to bring in somebody who is a better fit both on and off the court. And Derrick Rose should be here for that. RJ Barrett should be here for that. The the Quentin Grimes, quickly, Obi Toppin. They should be here for that. Mitch should be here for that. And I, I don't care who else is left. 
but that though that's the main group that I want to see here. All the other guys, yeah. they can come or they they can stay or they can leave. But Julius Randle, I feel like absolutely has to go. But I we we all know that's not happening. And we're gonna get into more trade stuff. So before yeah. we get too caught up in that conversation, let's get into let's, let's move on to the, the games. games that happened this week. Yeah. I, I agree with you, sir. All right, so the first game of the week, January 31st. Knicks played the Sacramento Kings. Kings came in losers of their last six games. If you want to get further into depth before they came into the Garden, Kings only won two of the past 13 games. So, very easy to say, Knicks should win this one. Mm -hmm. And... I wish I came into this game with the faith, the 100% faith that they were going to win this game the way that I did last year, but I didn't. But thankfully for us, the Knicks did come out and show from start to finish that they were the better team. Yeah, this was this was from start to finish. The Knicks were in control of this game. Evan Fournier started off the game six six straight shots. He went six for seven for 16 points. The only miss that he had was the last shot he took in the first. It was kind of a heat check shot. Julius Randle was playing off. He started off a little shaky, but played off of his team instead of trying to drive the offense. He didn't really wake up on defense until midway through the first when it was like, oh, we this is not a good team. We can actually beat this team pretty easily. So once, mm -hmm. once you saw that, it was like, all right, let me lock in. So they blew the game open early, double-digit lead after the starters left. The lead increased with the bench coming out on the floor. So starters came out, got his 10. Bench came in, 15, 16, 17 points. Quentin Grimes defensively was a beast, a monster on defense in the mm -hmm. perimeter, as we have said pretty much every game over the past week. Mitch had almost 10 boards in the first half alone. Third quarter was ugly and sloppy. Knicks had six turnovers in the five, first five minutes, but... They never let this game get completely out of hand. Kings never really threatened the Knicks. Mitch maintained his dominance on the boards. Bench came in after the starters were sloppy and took over the game again, completely dominated the rest of the game. They didn't even let the starters back on the floor. Right. The starters never came back in the fourth quarter. That's how good we, the bench got, played. And we got to see some Cam Reddish this game. Got to see some Cam Reddish. You know, you know it's an ass whooping when you see Cam, Killer Cam on the court. Quentin Grimes finished impressively in the paint. He had he went four for seven in the second half in the paint. Just uh, we saw some things from 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 Q that we haven't really seen all year in this game. And yeah, he's just, he's attacking the paint. He, sure. He's if if Evan Fournier wasn't like that guy who randomly can drop thirty and forty points on you, Grimes would be. A starter. A starter. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and I and it would be a cry. Like, why is this guy not starting? But his yeah. defense is great. And like I've said this earlier, I feel like he could take over that Reggie Bullock role where he can defend whoever the best perimeter guy is on the other team. And then you can always rely on him to hit the three point shot. But unlike Reggie Bullock, you can count on him to dribble the ball more than two times. And he can he you you can count on him trying to shoot the midi. You could count on him trying to make drive in the paint. He has a little bit of a passing game. He he's more of a complete player than Reggie Bullock. So if you want to have last season again, Quentin Grimes would be that guy. But once again, 
Evan Fournier has been playing much better as of late. And, yeah. Uh, you want to say anything about Here's my thing. Yeah. Evan Fournier, he can do the same thing off the bench, if not better. So I don't want to, like, even, I don't see nothing wrong with having a, a bench scorer like a Lou Williams. Evan Fournier could be six men of the year. Have Quentin Grimes come in the starting yeah, five, you... improve the starting five defense, provide the same shooting that Evan Fournier can provide, maybe just a little less off the dribble, but he's he can heat up so, just just as much as Evan Fournier can heat up. Yeah, so he just is not much of an off-the-bounce player. This is a position that I've gotten to understand more and more as I've gotten older and I've watched more games. Ultimately, it doesn't matter who starts. Ultimately. It's about finish. It doesn't, ultimately, it doesn't matter who starts. It, it doesn't matter, like, it, it matters how much minutes you play, and Quentin Grimes is getting the minutes, and Evan Fournier is getting the minutes. The, now, if those two things don't matter, what could be upset if you switch those two guys? And the thing that could be upset would be Evan Fournier's trade value. So. No. Yeah. Because you're paying him all of this money. And now you're going to ask somebody to take on this money. And they're going to say, wait a minute, this dude was starting at the beginning of this year. And now you got him coming off the bench and you're paying him how much? And you want us to take him on? Okay, this is what we're going to offer you for him. Your pack, your your package will... The, your returns will be much better if you keep that guy, the veteran who's making however much money, who has historically in his career played very well. And he's not playing poorly. Like, if you look at his season stats, he's not playing poorly. Like, at one point, yeah, he was. But if you look at his season stats, he's not playing poorly. You can get something good for Evan Fournier, if not the trade deadline in the offseason. But you risk damaging that by having him come off the bench and that would be the only thing that you're really doing. Like, yeah. I agree with you that dude, the hit that you, that you would take is probably not that deep, but why why take it if you don't have to? Evan Fournier is not a terrible defender. But I can tell you why. Because if we're going to make the decision to start Quentin Grimes to have Evan Fournier come off the bench, the need to trade him, the, it's not really a need to trade him anymore. Who cares what his trade value is if he's providing There's not a need the to trade offensive him. spark that you think that he can provide off the bench? If he can heat up consistently off against the other team's benches, why would you want to trade him? You have a steady, consistent scorer who can drop 30 any night off the bench. But you're, I understand why how you're looking Why would you want to take it. that? I understand mm -hmm. how you're looking at it. You're looking at the positives of him coming off the bench. But yeah. that the same positive of him coming off the bench is a positive for him as a starter. And you said that there's that, that if you put him on the bench there's no need to trade him there's not a need to trade him now either but the, i'm gonna tell you why but before you even because on the nights where he's not having an extreme scoring night as a starter that impacts the team dramatically but if he's not a starter and he's coming off the bench and he has a call a, a cold night you still can put Quentin Grimes back in the game to start to, to finish the game the only thing is, if they're both getting off the bad starts, that's the only time that could become an issue. But I feel like we have the talent on this team to overcome that. Everything you're saying, you can play, you can say it the opposite way, and it will still hold true. The only difference would be that if we are grooming Quentin Grimes and we're trying to develop Quentin Grimes, 
Mm-hmm. It's better to have him come off the bench and come off behind a veteran and let the veteran take the licks and, and take all of the flack for not starting and, you know, the way that Evan Fournier has all year. It's better that that happens to Evan Fournier as opposed to it happening to Quentin Grimes. We, we don't remember Quentin Grimes is still a rookie. So yeah, we don't want to. We, we is want not a rookie's defense. You're one hundred percent correct, but he is and that's still the difference between him and Fournier. He is still a rookie, and you want to take care when it comes to his development. There's no development for Evan Fournier, so this is not when you when you mess around with the rotation like that. You're you're not hurting Evan Fournier as far as yeah. what his ability to play the game or anything like that. Just maybe his ability to play for your team. With Quentin Grimes, you're you're potentially affecting his future as an NBA player if all of a sudden his confidence starts taking a tank, which I don't think it will, but you mm-hmm. never know with these things. These these types of things have happened in the league before. So while we can disagree or whatever, that's the way that most veteran coach. that's why most veteran coaches put, unless you're a, a rookie or a sophomore or some sort of young player who is head and toes above better than the guy who's in front of you, most of the times you're just going to come off the bench behind the veteran guy who's shown that he can he can start. And that's why they do that. They're not, they're not going to make that change unless you're clearly head, head and shoulders above uh, and head and shoulders better than the guy who's already starting. And he, Quentin Grimes is not head and shoulders. He might be like a head, but not shoulders too. <laughs> I think... The only thing separating these two players drastically is experience. That's the only reason why I feel like Fournier is starting over well, Grimes because the defense that Tibbs want to see from his starting unit, he's not going to get that from Fournier. Well, he's going to get that from Grimes, though. And Grimes has just I'll, said that he's he gets more confidence from the more time that he gets on the court. That's why we was able to see him play like that against Sacramento. He Grimes, said that right after that game. Grimes is going to have to drop 40 in order to make that a conversation. He's dropped he's dropped a significant amount of points already this season, but he's going to have to drop 40. And then that's when you start being like, well, trade the trade deadline is in a few days. But if he does it like tonight, he drops 40, they're going to trade Evan Fournier. They're going to try to trade Evan Fournier. Because then it's like, what is, the- the, <laughs> what is the point? But... Quentin Grimes ain't that like he's he hasn't shown that that now I don't want to say ability because I do think Quentin Grimes can score forty. That's but, what I was gonna but say. how many times has Evan Fournier done it this season? How many times has he dropped thirty? How many times has he dropped twenty? Like Evan Fournier has been, has but Quentin Grimes has had a that lot matters. of opportunity as well. He's I, he just started to get some burn. He, if we're being honest, he just he started. He wasn't getting steady minutes up until this last month. He's been getting twenty plus minutes over the past month. That's a lot. Of, yeah, he has. Check it out. Yeah, over the. I'm talking about before that though. But that. But I understand that. But that's why I said he has to drop forty. He has to drop forty, and and Evan Fournier dropped forty <laughs> very quickly. So we don't want. I don't want to stay stick to this too long. But I understand how you feel. I understand what you're saying. I just don't think that it's realistic, and. Yet, yeah, yet when when things change, and obviously we both know what side we're going to be on, but right now is not the time 
to switch the two of them. And the reason is because Quentin Grimes is a rookie and Evan Fournier is a veteran, which you said that's the only thing he has. But also Evan Fournier has shown the consistency. And, well, I shouldn't say consistency because he's not consistent <laughs> yeah. at all. But he's been he's dropped 40 mul- multiple times this season. He's dropped 30 multiple times this season. Quentin Grimes hasn't done that yet. And there's not, I don't think there's that significant of a, di- of a difference in minutes per game either. Oh, I thought you were about to say on defense. I was about to say, wait, what? No. Because that's, not, that's not that significant. night and day. That's not, there's not a significant, I don't believe, and I'll, I'll check that out, and I'll, we'll get back to that later, but I don't think there's that much of a difference in minutes played for, for the season to, you know, really. It's a difference. It's a huge difference. Well, we'll, like. we'll see. Without even looking. I'll, I'll look it up. So anyway, back to the Sacramento game. Some some thoughts that I had. I thought Mitch and RJ would feast in the paint. They didn't. Kings were the worst paint defenders in the league. And for a lot of the time in this game, I was like, oh, that defense ain't really that bad. Like, I don't understand why they got the worst defense in the paint defense in the league. Probably because they're facing off against the elite Western Conference <laughs> uh, I don't. They probably facing up the Warriors well, later, like three times. Later on in the game, so the Knicks dominated. The Knicks dominated in the paint. So it was really just Mitch and RJ who were like really like struggling. Uh, like they did play good defense, but Obi Toppin, one of the guys who showed, yeah, their paint defense ain't really that great. If Obi Toppin is doing no look, like a fake pass, Euro, Euro steps. steps to the layup. Then your defense, your defense ain't that great, which made me yeah. wonder if Obi could do that. Why didn't RJ do that, right? And they expecting it from RJ. They ain't expecting Obi to do that. I guess so. I I guess so. But their their pain defense wasn't that great, and it got exposed by by the bench mob. I also said I don't see how Sacramento keeps Davion, Halliburton, and De'Aaron Fox like. You gonna play all three of those guys, and you gonna play all three of those guys? At the, like, how does that work for you? I think that they all have. I think they all should be at the one, and yeah, you. I feel like you need to get rid of one of them if you're if you're if you're choosing Halliburton. You got to get rid of the Aaron Fox, Davion. This is he hasn't been playing that long. You still want to see what, how how good he could play, and I thought he played a good game. He's obviously had an up and down season, but you know, he's a rookie. I just don't like his size, but he does play really well. Please, feisty. I like him. We dominated Sacramento on the boards, in the paint, from three, and on the fast break. And that's why we Molly Wop kicked it <laughs> all night. Like, there was, we just dominated Sacramento. This is always going to be a game that meant nothing if we won it, but meant everything if we lost. Like, mm-hmm. We came into this game saying the Knicks better win this game. And if the Knicks lost this game, it would be gloom and doom for the rest of the season. So, ultimately, yeah, not really too much to take from this game. They, the Knicks did what they were supposed to do as they should. Won 116-96. And we could probably just go straight over into the next game. Yeah, yeah. So, next game on the 2nd of February on ESPN and on MSG. Next face off against Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies came in off a fresh loss, a nail-biter overtime loss against the 76ers. And 
John Moran has been having a MVP caliber, caliber type year. The Grizzlies have been one of the biggest surprises in the NBA this year. They're looking like the Knicks from last year, except the head of their snake is John Moran, and he is looking like he's going to be a star for years to come. So the first thing you notice, you said the first time you've seen a jump ball lead into another jump ball <laughs> <laughs> to start the game. That was weird. Yeah, like, that was a weird way to start the game. But Yeah, I was, I was like, did they really just jump the ball up, tapped it to somebody, scramble for the ball, and then I was like, oh, jump ball. Wait a minute. They just did that. <laughs> yeah. That was little, little did we know that was going to lead to a lot more tip passes into things that ended up just being to the demise of the Knicks. Yeah. Cause... Actually, that you're you're 100% right. Like that that cuz the Knicks were were supposed the Knicks were supposed to win that first tip and then they lost yeah. the second one and that's kind of how yeah. the game went. Yep. The Knicks got off to another slow start. They were getting beat to every single loose ball. The Knicks was knocking down threes after recovering every single loose ball. And that's just that was just a constant theme throughout the night. The Knicks did make big runs over and over consistently, getting cutting the lead down to five, but the Memphis Grizzlies just put the put the Knicks back down, double digits every time with just some dagger threes, some clutch defense. Second opportunities whenever they missed. The Knicks were playing really good defense throughout this game, if you remember. Like, we were getting stops after stops after stops, but them second and third opportunities is what killed us this whole game. Another thing that killed us this whole game, Kemba Walker done absolutely nothing for two games straight, scoring zero points yeah, in both games. He finished the night with just three rebounds and two assists. Didn't really get much production from him. Emmanuel quickly, the backup point guard, also had a pretty rough night, only making two clutch three-pointers. And then outside of that, he was shooting 3-4-11 from the field. He had to adjust to being a point guard now that Derrick Rose is out. And it seems like that has been taking a toll on his offensive production so far this season. But I'm not really worried about him because I think he's a worker. He's always in the gym, so he's going to be able to overcome the sophomore slump. It's just hard to watch when he's not scoring as as as, as his scoring's not as potent as it was last year. And it was a lot more consistent throughout last year as well. Julius, he played well this season. I mean not this season, this game. The last game too, he played pretty well. He's mm -hmm. playing tough, harder. He faced a lot of criticism. It sounds like he heard it. He finished the night with 18 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists. Like we said earlier, he, he received the second ejection this game. He received two texts. And after the game, he didn't talk to the media again, which re which led to him receiving a lot more criticism. But that I didn't really care about whether or not he's showing up to the media and when he does show up. Like, who cares? Like, who's really taking what Julius Randle has to say at a, in a post-game press conference? And, like, is it really that deep to you? I, I, I didn't really get, care about it too much. I'm not looking forward to hearing what Julius Randle has to say out it's there. It's not really that deep. But as people who speak on the Knicks, we do have to analyze it. And my what what analysis I've seen otherwise and to my eye test they match up. Analysis is when the Knicks are doing good, 
he's willing to talk. And when the Knicks ain't doing good, he's running away. You want to know why that's not fair, though? Why? He only showed up after the Kings win, but it ain't like he only does press conferences when Knicks win. Recently. He's done many press press conferences when the no, Knicks he has. lost. He has. And what is he gonna keep saying? Like what? Like what do we really want to hear from him Listen, in these I, press conferences? W- in these press conferences after loss, I don't really want to hear anything. But there's a reason why we do them. And sometimes when they, after a loss, the questions are asked, and you hear something that you know is insightful. It, it helps. It's helpful. It sometimes makes you feel better after a loss. Do we get that from him? Julie, Do we get the, that from Tibbs? The the it's not about it's not about who we can and can't get it from. It's about the fact that this man is supposed to be the leader of the team. He's supposed to be the role model. He's supposed to be you know, the engine. He's supposed to be all of these things. Mm-hmm. And if you would have told me last after last season, after the the article that the Players Tribune, the, the most improved player, the All NBA, and all this stuff, if you'd have told me that the season wasn't going to go great, I'd have been like, okay, all right, it's understandable. A lot of teams got better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, probably we had some injury issues, all that type of stuff. But if you'd have told me how Julius Randle would not just perform, but then react. I would not have believed you. So do I care? No, ultimately I really don't care. Most of the times I do skip over these press conferences or I, or I watch, I watch Twitter to see like, okay, if the, the interest said that was different, the interesting stuff, right? You know, something funny or something that is insightful or something like that. A lot of times these guys will do the press conference and you learn a lot, a whole lot of nothing. But, uh, the fact that you're this is the leader of our team and, and he's acting like this that part i do care about and whether you yeah. want to say it's that's fair, the only thing that bothers the, the, me. if you want to say that's not if you want to say it's not fair to, to you know, whatever i i disagree it, it you're supposed to be the leader of the team be the leader of the team be in your be in your team huddle stop acting like a, a crybaby stop acting like you're not part of the team stop like do what you have to do and everything else will follow. And if you don't understand that, then you don't need to be a part of this team. Yeah. That's the only thing that I don't like about it is the fact that we have a lot of young guys on this team who look up to Julius Randle as the leader of this team. And when you pouting and you doing all this, uh, avoiding the media after every game, it just sets the wrong example. It sets the wrong tone. And uh, I remember when, Carmelo and Porzingis was here with this team. And I remember Melo was, not Melo, Phil Jackson wasn't, was ducking the media and Porzingis was having to do the press conferences and he had the answer for things going on. And it was just, it was just a rough situation. It just didn't look good on the organization as a whole. When you see Julius Randle now being the leader and he's, struggling with being the leader on the court, struggling with being the leader off the court. It's just not a good look. It's easy but to be the leader outside when your of that, team is it doesn't really bother me. It's easy yeah. to be the te- leader when the team is winning and the team is losing. Yeah. 
and, he made and, sure to show up for all of and, the, and, and the, once again, the accolades that came up after the fact. And, yeah. and once again, none of this matters if he doesn't play the way that he plays on the court. None of this matters. If he, he could do anything he wants off the court, if on the court you could see that he was giving his, if he had that Patrick Ewing, if that 90s Knicks kind of energy, then he don't even have to score well, right? But the fact that you we don't even have to have that yeah. play like how you did last year. Okay. It's more, I feel like you think playing like you did last year is something that is very easy. That is, that is a very difficult no, thing to do. I'm not talking about production. I'm talking about energy wise. Okay. When you look at the things that he was doing last year on just effort plays and running down the court, taking the, 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 okay. Yes. You're, I, that, we, that agree. On we agree. We agree. His energy like, last year play was like that. His energy last year, it wasn't. It wasn't to that level. Nineties Knicks and you know Patrick Ewing, but it was enough to where you can't, you couldn't complain. Yeah, it's not. Asking for. It's not like that this year. So I, I don't know where we left off. <laughs> We've been going off on tangents all all episode. But yeah, um, yeah. I like it better like this. It's more of a flow. <laughs> But we was we was talking about the uh, Memphis Grizzlies game. Yeah, I was leaving off with the final thoughts. Evan Fournier had another strong night, scoring 30, 30 points, scoring eleven for eighteen from the field, eight for twelve from three, eight three point a game. That's a, a reason for him to stay in the starting five. So maybe you might be right if he could do that more consistently. RJ finished the night with twenty three points, but only shot one for four from from the three, seven for seventeen from the field. Grizzlies were just a better team pretty much from start to finish of this game. They were pretty upset that ESPN took their game off in favor of the Knicks game with the Heat. And it right. seemed like that's basically where they got all laid the energy for this game. Because if you, if you remember watching, Desmond Bain was doing a lot of bullying, trying to take the ball from quickly and on, on dead plays, mm -hmm. trying to just bully the Knicks. Him and Randall got into it at, at in a, in a, uh, after a timeout where Randall was trying to butt into the into their huddle, trying to see what plays they was running, and Bain pushed them out, and they got into a little shoving match. I don't even know if that's Randall what that was. First tech. I don't know if no, that. I don't it, even know if that's what that was. It, it looked like Knicks were getting ready to set up. And Randall happened to be over there, and he, they were and they he, weren't he, done. He said it. Who Randall? Yeah, he 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 clarified what happened. He said he went he went over to see what they was running because they were still in the huddle after the timeout was over. He looking in the huddle and and Bain tried to push him out. Randall pushed him back and they get into a little <laughs> altercation that got him his first tech. Well, at least he's honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did look up the uh, minutes for Fournier and Quentin Grimes. You were you were right. There is a significant difference. Every Fournier averages twenty eight minutes a game. Quentin Grimes averages sixteen minutes a game. I just felt that it would be closer because if you remember earlier in the season. Fournier would not, like, get on the court at all in the fourth quarter. But not in favor of Grimes, though. No, it wasn't in favor of Grimes, but Grimes wasn't playing in those games. There's different, there is a different, there's a difference in games played as well. Evan Fournier yeah. has played 50 games. Quentin Grimes has only played in 33. So mm -hmm. if you, you can kind of see why I thought it would be closer. He played less games, and then the majority of his games, he's played 20-plus minutes. Evan Fournier played more games, but in a lot of those games, if he wasn't playing well, he wouldn't play a whole quarter. So, yeah. but, it, but it, it, maybe what, by the what, end of the season, it'll the, be closer. Yeah, the reason why I remember is because the games that Quentin Grimes played in to start the, the, the season was like five minutes. 
anytime he touched the floor. But Evan Fournier consistently was playing 20 minutes, even if he did play bad. But we could go and jump straight into trade rumors. <laughs> New York Post, Mark Berman report that the New York Knicks would like to trade Kemba Walker by the February 10th trade deadline. One NBA source said that he doubts that any team would be willing to give up anything other than a second round pick for Kemba Walker. Which is why. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, I kind of said my thoughts earlier. Yeah. You're not trading Kemba Walker by himself. If you're if you, you want to get rid of Kemba Walker, you got to include him as part of a package with somebody else. And I don't know. I don't know who that would be. I don't know who you would package Kemba Walker with to get something good. Mm-hmm. Unless you package him with a young player, which there's no young players that we want to get rid of. Yeah. So that's why they the rumors about Alec Burks, they don't want to trade Alec Burks straight up for anybody. They don't want to dump Alec Burks. The only situation where they would trade Alec Burks is if he's a positive addition or a a positive part of like a negative ne- a negative veteran that you're gonna put put into a trade. For example, like if you want to trade away a Kemba Walker, you're gonna be taking Alec Burks, but you're also taking Kemba Walker on the side. I don't even know why. I don't even know how that would benefit the Knicks because if you do that, what do you get back? Uh, unless you're trying something that makes sense. Unless you're unless you're clearing up, which is something that yeah I've heard not, in I've heard in other podcasts. Unless you're doing that to free up cap space so that you can make a run at a Jalen Brun you know a Brunson in the off season or somebody like that. But I I, I just have a tough time seeing seeing that happen. Only history that we've seen from this front office is that they make trades that make complete sense. And they're not going to make a trade for like one purpose at all. Every trade that they've made has been to do multiple things. You could do this way. You for example. To, you could go to the left or you could go to the right. You don't, you're not stuck because you made this decision. Exactly. And no trade that they've made has been something that we've predict, predicted. Any ESPN, NBA source has predicted. Any other podcast has predicted. It's always been something that nobody saw coming. For example, like the trade at the, not the trade, the trades uh, at, the, at the NBA draft. We went into the draft night with two first round picks. What, do you remember what we turned those two picks into? Because we did like 10 trades to get the plays that we wanted and pick up assets on the side. Well, one of those trades turned <laughs> into Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. Another one of those trades turned into Quentin Grimes. Mm-hmm. Another, and, and Rokas. Rokas, Yokobitis, and Deuce McBride. Deuce, Jericho Sims. We didn't have that pick back then, I don't think, did we? Yeah, we did. That pick, that pick at the end of the draft, we did. That was our only pick that we kept. So another example, we had Dennis Smith. Instead of just trading away Dennis Smith to get him off the books, what did we get? Derrick Rose, a member who's going to probably retire Nick. Another trade. <laughs> like, I could do this all day. Every trade, Ed Davis. Remember that? Mm-hmm. We traded Ed Davis, received... Multiple second round picks as a as a result of what we did with it was multiple traits. I don't remember, but I remember we t- we got one player as an add on, 
turned him into like four first, second round picks. Like everything that this front office does is very well calculated. It serves the needs of multiple areas for the team. And they haven't had a, a, a situation where they've made a trade that was just bad or didn't do anything to help the team out. We're going to give Cam Reddish time to get incorporated into the offense. I feel like that actually helps. I don't think it hinders his process with the team at all. Throwing him into the lineup doesn't help him understand the severity of his minutes and the, the, the impact of what he's doing to the game in those minutes. It's not as important if he realizes that he has to earn every single minute while he's out there. So to get him out there, he's going to have to earn it. It ain't going to just be because we traded a first-round pick. I'm not completely against it, although I would love to see Cam Reddish out there. But I see a trade becoming where we get Kemba Walker off the team and we free up minutes for Cam and we bring an asset onto the team because that's just what I expect from the front office at this point. I don't have regular expectations for them. If there's a trade. Like we normally do. It's going to be a trade for sure. I know it's going to be a trade, even though I've never spent a second in the front office room. I just feel like I have a feel for what this team sees and wants to get done. I just never understood what it would take to get it done or how to get it done. Because we all know something's wrong with this team and not something needs to be changed. We just don't know how to change it or what the problem is that needs to be changed. So we have Leon Rose here. This is his first moment where he has to actually show that he can handle the adversity of New York because if he doesn't come out of the trade deadline with something that helps this season and the future of this team, it isn't going to look great. But there's been a lot of rumors about like Hot Seed and Tibbs maybe getting fired. And I don't really listen to all of that. I do... I do want to see what Leon Rose does this time around because we we know something has to happen in order for this season to not be a waste. There's no way. Let's talk about that later. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to write it down, actually. I'm going to write it down. Okay. So I'll just jump straight into the next trade rumor. ESPN's Brian Windhorse reports the Knicks have shown interest in Sacramento Kings 24-year-old point guard De'Aaron Fox. Fox is hands down the fastest player in the NBA, and Sacramento seems interested in making a trade for Julius Randle. What are your thoughts on that? We talked about this last week. Did we? Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. It wasn't confirmed until a few days ago. No, but we did. We did. It was one of the two. Is it De'Aaron Fox? And who did I say? The other player. There were there were two players that I was saying we could be traded, but uh, I don't think we went into depth with the into depth with the De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. De'Aaron Fox, left-handed player, from point Kentucky. guard. He, the drives to the basket, finishes in the basket. Not a great three-point shooter. This season. He's only really had one good three-point shooting season, if I recall correctly. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I think De'Aaron Fox is a, a very young prospect whose potential is still very much ahead of him. So I'd, I'd rather take a chance I I'm fine Fox. with I, Like, I'm fine. He's 24 years old. 
He's young. He still has some Fits potential. He may, he, it may be being in Sacramento, just not unlocking what he need, what he needs to unlock. Maybe coming to New York will do that. But then again, we thought the same thing when it came to, well, what's that bum's name? I can't remember. Smith. Which one? <laughs> Dennis Smith? Dennis Smith Jr. And my my boy, if he listens to this, he's going to be, <laughs> he's going to laugh because he said we ruined him. I was like, nah, he was I'm always weak. trash. Dennis, he wasn't always trash. I, I, and, he, and he's not, I shouldn't call him a bum, but Dennis Smith Jr. came here. He didn't have the mentality. He didn't have the drive in order to be a better player. I don't think that's the case here with De'Aaron Fox, but you won't know until you see what happens if and when he's traded from Sacramento. He's still one of the fastest, if not the fastest player in the NBA. And like I said earlier, I don't, I don't like his fit with both Julius and RJ on the court, which is why you would have to get rid of Julius in this trade. Or if you, I've heard also that maybe the Kings want to keep De'Aaron Fox and still try to trade for Julius Randle. I don't believe it. And if they did that, Here's my thing. if they did that, would you be interested in getting Harrison Barnes and a couple of other players for Julius Randle? No. I need players who are going to be able to absorb the, what's the word? The keys to the, the offense. Okay. I don't think that this team is good enough without Julius Randle to be consistently good night after night without having a guy. RJ's not at the point where he's ready to do that. I think De'Aaron Fox is. I don't think Harrison Barnes ever has been that kind of player or is capable of being that kind of player. Otherwise, the Kings wouldn't be one of the worst teams in the NBA. But... I think we all could agree that we would want Fox. I think the Sacramento Kings are just saying that they're not trying to trade Fox because of the fact that it's not going to be a trade happening any day now because they're still playing and they still have to formulate some type of trade offer or accept some type of trade. It takes time, so they don't want players to be going out there thinking that they about to get traded any second. I think that's just all politics in the NBA. So my thing is, I think we all could agree that we would want Fox on the Knicks. But it wouldn't be a, a one for one thing. We would want to have, I mean, we would need to have another player be accepted into the trade in Sacramento. So my thing is, who would you want to be added onto this trade with Fox from Sacramento? I, I was looking at I was looking at something earlier, and I might be able to pull it up while I'm talking. I don't remember there being any trades that involved Julius Randle and De'Aaron Fox where I thought it was both realistic and that I liked. I think it was mm -hmm. always one or the other. You said you would trade Julius Randle for Harrison Barnes and Filler. Mm -hmm. I think I understand why. 
but I'm also kind of like, hmm, I think I might do that. <laughs> I think I might do that. I think I might do that. And the only thing that would is keeping me from saying might to I definitely would is the fact that you said RJ Barrett is not there yet. RJ Barrett, by the way, averaging 23 points in the month of February, 21 points in the month of January. So he may not be there yet, but he is definitely getting there. And if he can do that over, if he can do that in March and in April, you really need Julius Randle that much? I don't think you do. Now, who makes, De'Aaron Fox makes more money than Julius Randle, correct? De'Aaron Fox makes $28 million. And he has a five-year contract as well as uh, Julius Randle, who has a five-year contract, but he's only getting paid $21 million this year, 21.7. So the Knicks would have to include a player. I got the trade machine open right now if you want to uh, test some things out. Because <laughs> my trade, I could tell you right now if you're ready, or I could just wait. No, tell me your trade. I have De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley coming back. Mm-hmm. We would be sending out Julius Randle, Alec Burks, and Kemba Walker. And why would they? I also, why? you can't you can't have a uh, draft picks. So I would also assume that we would receive draft picks as a result of this trade. Why would the Kings give up both Fox and Marvin Bagley? Bagley requested a trade. He'd been wanting to, and they are, have been trying to trade him, but they don't have any team that has given them an offer that they like. They like Julius Randle. Alec Burks is a positive veteran, and Kemba Walker is a respected veteran around the NBA. I would assume that they would give up some draft picks for a trade like this, along with De'Aaron Fox and Bagley. Because... It's not really a secret that they've been shopping Fox already. They have two young point guards in Halliburton and Davion Mitchell, which what we spoke about earlier, who are two both promising guards, and there's not enough room in the on the team for all three of these guards to be on this team. So this clears up a logjam for them as well as gives them an all-star player and two vets. They are looking to win. So I would assume that they would want to make this trade. They haven't made the playoffs since 2006. I think this puts them closer. It says here that they are six wins better as a result of this trade. I think it works both ways. What about you? You know, you ain't, you ain't feeling it. Who are we giving up again? Alec Burks and Kemba Walker? I'm going to lay it all out again. De'Aaron Fox is coming to us. <laughs> Marvin Bagley... And maybe a first-round pick and a collection of second-round picks. The Kings would be receiving Julius Randle, Alec Burks, and Kemba Walker. That's it. I don't think they would give up picks for that. I don't think they're giving up picks, De'Aaron Fox, and Marvin Bagley. Even though they've already been trying to trade Bagley? Doesn't matter. He requested a trade? You don't, you don't, you don't willingly bend yourself up <laughs> because you try to get rid of the guy, yeah, a guy who's requesting the trade. Like, that's not... That's not bending yourself over to receive an all-star and two veteran players who are respected. 
an all-star in Julius Randle and two veteran players. Okay. No, no, you can't. You can't. Um. <laughs> I can't I, I, it sounds. It sounds good. It does sound good. I'm not. Uh, you, you. You would be do well in the front office, sir. But Julius Randle was an all-star, playing like one of the best players in the entire league. He mm-hmm. is playing so much worse this season. He's te- almost 10 percentage points if he's not more than 10 percentage points worse of a shooter from the three-point line. His mid-range mm-hmm. shot has all but abandoned him. And he's and even though both those things are true, he's not driving to the rim at a rate that he should. All in all, he has more single-digit games this season than what used to be the normal triple-double 30-point game that he had last season. But you're saying that from the lens of a Knicks fan. I know I'm saying Sacramento ain't watching every game. They might have some stats up, but if you're looking at it, like would I rather have Marvin Bagley or Julius Randle starting at the power forward position alongside two, you think potentially elite point guards, you still have Buddy Hill coming up to like, you still have other guys, Harrison Barnes on this team. It's not, a bad trade for Sacramento at all. They're receiving. I guess it depends on competent players. They are. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Through. It's just the picks. The picks. The picks are the important thing. And it. I could see maybe it wouldn't up, be an even trade I, I, without picks. I I, I. I could see maybe one pick. I, and if you if you first, I, I don't see the Knicks making hey. a trade like this asking for seconds. So. Exactly. If you're going to trade your engine, you're going to want more than just De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. You're going to need some picks as a result of that. So I'm going to read off because I'm going to read off from the Knicks Film School blog the trade, uh, the potential trades that they came up with for a Randall De'Aaron Fox trade. Okay. And they also clarified that once Ryan. Archie Diacono. Hey. I have not been practicing. <laughs> Once his 10 day is up, the Knicks have a roster spot, so they can take two players just for Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. They said they can take De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. Not mad at that. They can take De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes. Or, actually, they can do Buddy Heald and a player making less than $4.25 million. They can take Harrison Barnes or Barnes and a player making less than $7 million. Or they can take any two of Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, or Tristan Thompson. Wait, that was a lot. Just, you said what? About $4.2 million? So, because of the difference in, in Randall and Darren Fox's Salary. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. you know, depending on how, depending on how the Knicks want to operate. That's how they, and let me just reread this. Cause maybe th- this sounds a lot more like they're trading for these players and not with the Aaron Fox. So I'm going to look at it one more time. 
Sorry, folks. Because I can list, I can list all the players who will make under four point two, and I can make, I can list all the players that are under seven mil. How much does the Air Fox make again? Twenty eight. Twenty nine. How much does Buddy Hield make? No, De'Aaron Fox makes twenty eight. Buddy Hield makes twenty two. Okay, twenty three. So no, these are actually trades in lieu of De'Aaron Fox. So this is actually the opposite of what it is that you wanted. Yeah. So if not De'Aaron Fox, it would be Buddy. So Hield if not De'Aaron Fox, it would be Buddy Hield plus a player making less than. But we don't want to talk about million. those trades. We want Fox. Well, while we may want Fox, Sacramento may not give him up. And that's why that was that was part of his article is that yeah, they may want to trade them, but in the case that they don't, they might want to partner up Julius Randle with De'Aaron Fox. So how would they do that? And these were the trades that he came up with: Buddy Hield, Harrison Barnes, and any two of Marvin Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, or Tristan Thompson. Those would those would line up. But it wouldn't make sense for the Knicks. Why would we want them? Why would we want those guys? Well, Tristan Thompson. We we would be. I agree with you. We don't really. I don't think it's something that the Knicks would do. It would be a trade that you make because you're done with Randall. <laughs> that that's we we shouldn't entertain nothing like that because the front office is not making no trades just to be done with their player. Well, it's not just that. Harrison Barnes is a pretty good player. Marvin Bagley is a pretty good player. Harrison Barnes is a good player. Yeah. Is, do you see Harrison Barnes coming in here being the focal point of your offense? Where we wouldn't be asking Harrison Barnes to be the focal point of the offense. We would, if you do this trade, That's what we need. If you do this trade, you do it feeling like R.J. Barrett is going to be that guy, and you want to clear up some space so that R.J. can do what he needs to do. And you don't have to worry about the Julius Randle of it all off off the court. What, 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 Here's what I, if, if you don't find that important, I hey, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with you. But RJ is 22 years old. They're not going to put him on a spotlight like that this early in his career. He's already that would he's already not to be the number one option. To be the number one option is a heavy load. To be in New York, you want to have somebody who can have that burden, just like they had with. Poor Zingas. It took him how many years before they traded Carmelo? I understand what and you're Carmelo saying. Carmelo was ready. He I, was cooked turkey before he got traded for years. I understand what you're saying, but I also don't, I don't subscribe to the fact that we have to play a guy the way that we play Julius Randle or, or Carmelo Anthony. We don't have to ask a guy to do all that in order for you to have a decent team. You have to do that probably to have a championship team. You need to have a Giannis. You need to have a LeBron, et cetera, et cetera. But right now, we trying to get back to where we were last year. That's what, like, more than anything else, that's what we need to get back to. And then we need to 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 supersede that and become a, a great team. If you don't think that you could do that with Julius Randle being the fulcrum of the offense, but you think that, Maybe getting rid of him and letting RJ be the fulcrum of the offense sometime is going to... Harrison Barnes is not a bad player to pair, pair him up with. And that's all I'm saying. If you have this if you have this team with... You just trade Julius Randle for Harrison Barnes, I wouldn't be mad at it. I know that it would be a, technically a fleece on us, but if you're just talking about roster fit and playing better, having everybody on the court play good, play hard and all that stuff, 
that that that's why you would do it. But like I said, I don't see I don't see the Knicks doing that for all of the reasons that you feel. And I also don't see how uh, outside of a one for one straight up Julius Randle for De'Aaron Fox, which I believe you can do. You got the trade. You got the trade machine up. Can can we yep. trade him one for one? Straight up. Give me one second. I was moving on to the second trade, <laughs> which I could talk about in a second. But one for one, De'Aaron Fox and Randu cannot be traded. Why? Money? 19.6 million difference. 19? Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. 700,000 difference. Ah, so you, so, yeah, so then you just. You're going to have to put you have, like you, one more player in there. Let me see. It, it may not even have to be a player. You could do cash considerations or something like that to make that, to make that trade go through. It, 700,000 ain't, it ain't been, it ain't moving the needle. You don't, you can include, we a have a, you can include Jericho Sims or something like that to, you know what I mean? Like it's not. Well, we have a trade exception for Kevin Knox for 1.1 uh, 1 million. Can you include that into the trade? I don't know how trade exceptions work. <laughs> I was going to ask you. No, trade I'm exceptions. I'm sure that that's what it's. If you, if you could do you, that, if you could plug that into the trade machine, that probably will clear up everything. I, and I yeah, think you I can, even, I can't add it. I think you could even, I think you could even trade part of a trade exception to, to make a trade go down like that. If you want to do one for so, one. So, yeah, so that would help it be a one for one. So, yeah. So if we use the trade, exception. if that's what, if that's what we're talking about, sign me up. I, is Sacramento interested in doing that? I don't know. Would there be, would one side want, would want picks or something? <sighs> probably but i think that the picks would i think both sides would feel like they're entitled to picks for the player and that they both would have a case so yeah I, that's the only thing that i see happening and i don't even really see that happening second trade proposal okay the knicks receive from portland mm -hmm. cj mccullum mm -hmm. the knicks trade away julius randu and alec burks That clogs us up even more, don't it? That means that we need to do another trade. Clogs us up in terms of you trading away, trading away Alec Burks. So Alec mm -hmm. Burks and CJ McCollum, yeah, they both take up the same position. But then you still have the issue of we got too many wing players. But without Julius Randle being there, Obi goes into the starting five, and we have another role for someone to get into the lineup. Say that one more time. Sorry, I missed that. I said with Randle gone, Obi or maybe CJ just takes his spot in the in the in the starting lineup. No, 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 that doesn't make sense. Yeah, with Randle gone, Obi get, jumps into the starting five, mm -hmm. right? Fournier. Comes off the bench. Most likely comes off the CJ bench. CJ McCollum takes the spot. CJ takes his spot. 
Have, this is just one you trade. See, you didn't think about it before this is you one did trade. They can have a follow-up trade after. <laughs> yeah. Once you started thinking about how does that even work? Well, like you have to do another trade after that. Uh, essentially, yeah. You can't. You but can't. This, I'm, you can't. Like I'm not against unless you're, it. Though. Unless you're saying we we run that starting unit without a point guard. You have R.J. C.J. Evan Fournier at the one, two, three. And then Obi at the four and Mitch at the five. That's the only way. And then you just all right, trade Kemba or, or do whatever you do with Kemba. Like this, this team has too many, too many players, man, that need minutes. And that, and this, that trade does not fix that. At least with, at least with the Julius for, for De'Aaron Fox straight up, like, we know that okay, that means whoever is playing point guard, everybody takes a shift back. Somebody maybe loses time. It's probably gonna be Kemba when Derrick Rose comes back. But yeah, that that's it's just tough. Go ahead, French. You look like you want to say something. I'm still trying to think of another trade, <laughs> but those are the only two that we're gonna go over because we could do this all day. Oh yeah, um, but, and and, and <laughs> by the next episode. We're going to be talking about what happened at the trade deadline if we did anything. So, yeah, a lot, lot more analysis as opposed to speculation, which I think we're better at. <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. we could just go ahead and jump into the next topic of the week. So my topic of the week, I wanted to know what do we believe is the next best course of action leading into the trade deadline? And I broke this up into, I made this a multiple choice question. Should we A, Make moves to improve the fit around Julius Randle. B, make moves to improve the fit around RJ. C, clear out veterans like Fournier and Burks to give playing time to Grimes Reddish. D, clear out youth to get the best available player on the market. Or E, why would you even list that as an option? Wait until the draft slash offseason to do anything. Because it's an option. I, I don't think they're, they're, that's the least likely option, but it is an option, especially if somebody... It's not an option. Especially if somebody says, trade me now. If they say, trade me now, and the Knicks want to have a star player, yeah, that's what it would take. Yeah, but guys have said, trade me now. There's star players right now who are waiting to get traded, and Ooh. we ain't ready to clear the deck for them. Okay, well... There are certain players where if they say, trade me to New York now, you getting rid of Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin. Who? Cool. There's nobody in the league. If, if, it Giannis youth. if Giannis Antetokounmpo, if Giannis Antetokounmpo said, yo, I want to go to New York, get me there. You ain't not getting rid of Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin? Yeah, it might be quiet for Quentin Well, Grimes. at 100%, it's going to be quiet for Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin. And whoever, whatever other young player will, will just be left with one of RJ and Mitch, probably, if that's the case. Not but saying that I... Do we really want to go that route? Do I do want to? Do we really want to trade all our youth? I don't think the front office would, would trade all our youth just to get one player. No, they would not. You're 100% right. But it is a it's a possibility, and... If that were to happen, it would be a realistic one. It would be something to think about. So which one do you feel? I think feel? the only the only one that I see happening, want to happen, is to make moves to improve the fit around R.J. Barrett because this front office drafted him. They clearly believe in him. 
So what are the moves? Only one member of the front office was a part of bringing Julius Randle on board, on board as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know what move would make the fit around RJ better. So when I, so when I made this list, I had an idea for every single thing that I listed. Make moves to improve the fit around Randall. Essentially, make a trade for a stretch big. A stretch big. Who can defend the rim? Make moves I'll to improve I'll, I'll, the Miles fit. Turner. Make moves to improve Lil the Bondi. fit around RJ. Trade Julius. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, am I wrong? And would that not improve the fit around RJ? Or is there somebody else that you feel is a better, is somebody that you should trade to improve the fit around RJ? Is there somebody on this team that you feel like hurts or obstructs RJ's play more than Julius Randle? I, I, I think Randle is probably the person that that fits most. Okay. Clear out veterans. That's self-explanatory. Clear out Fournier and Burks so that Grimes and Reddish could, which means that you're not getting anything back. You're not getting like... You're getting somebody who's injured or you're getting somebody that you're going to waive. I don't see them doing that. Clear out youth to get the best available player. I already made my extreme case. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard would be another, Anthony Davis. That Those types of players where, Steph Curry, those types of players where you're going to have to clear out your youth in order to get the get to get their their players. But there's levels to it as well. There are very good players that you're going to have to get rid of a Quentin Grimes or an Obi Toppin, or, you know, you're going to have to get rid of one of or two of your, 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 your youth players in order to get those guys. I don't think we getting rid of Quentin Grimes though. I think I don't, any star player who wants to come here, they're going to want Grimes on his team. Yeah, but they're going to want several of these guys on this team and whoever's trading them, they're not going to give them up for peanuts. And wait until the draft off off season. Obviously, self explanatory. They don't do nothing. They stand pat, and then what happens in the off season is what happens in in the off season or in the draft. What is their best course of action? Let me say something real quick. Go ahead. Because I just remembered you said star players don't get traded for peanuts, and then I started thinking back to Sacramento, and I'm like, yo. They traded Boogie Cousins for Buddy Hield in his prime. And Buddy Hield was like a second-year player. <laughs> we might not have to trade Julius Randle to get De'Aaron Fox because they got the same front office, basically, from when they traded Boogie Cousins. Lottie Divock is still there. I can see us fleecing Sacramento and getting some real assets back. It might not have to be an even trade. <laughs> I think that if it's possible, this front office could do it. And if yeah. they did do it, greatest front office of all time. But all time. I, it's one thing to say, yeah, they've done oh. it before. Of course, they'll do it again. It's another thing to actually see them do it again. And by all accounts, it does seem like Sacramento ain't just throwing stuff out there and hoping it sticks. It does seem like they're handling this De'Aaron Fox situation like they have the patience to deal with, to to get the best deal for him as opposed to giving him up for peanuts. 
I, I honestly, I really don't know what the next best course of action. I'm inclined to say that it's between making moves to improve the fit around RJ and waiting until the draft offseason. And I don't know which one to choose, but, and, and it's, and it's, I know which one that I want to do, but I, that's like, seems to be the least realistic make trade, trade Julius Randle. And what I don't but want to do is combined. to wait and do nothing. But I was, when you considering everything else is like, uh, do I really want to do everything else that they could do? Like th that, that pretty much, unless I'm forgetting something French, that's, those are all of their options there that when it comes to the trade deadline, there's nothing else that they could really do. Yeah. Clear out the veterans to give playing time to Grimes and Reddish. I don't think that they're going to get rid of Fournier and Burks or Nerlens Noel. I don't think they're going to get better value than what they actually are right now. I don't even think we need to get rid of Nerlens Noel. The only people that could go, in my opinion, are the ones that we've basically been naming consistently. Kemba, Julius, and Burks. And Fournier for you. I would be... No, I'm fine with keeping Fournier. I just would rather see him come off the bench. I'm fine with keeping. I'm fine with keeping all of them. Really, not uh, Burks. Burks is getting in the way. I ain't gonna lie. He's he has good moments that save games for us, but it's not consistent enough for him to have a, a solidified role on this team. You that guy that only remembers the last thing you've seen. It's, <laughs> Alec, not true. Alec Burks. I remember he. Alec Burks is the only reason we have a playoff win. Alec, uh, yes, but he's also one of the main reasons why we have as many wins as we do this season as well. He was one of our most consistent players before he started racking up the minutes with Kemba Walker going out of the rotation, which is not on, yeah. which is not on him. So, but is Alec Burks going to be the centerpiece uh, of our offense moving forward? Is he going to be anything significant to helping us achieve That's a championship? You have to give up good players. No, but I'm saying you have to give up good players to receive good players. You can't give up Kevin Knox's and expect to get players who are going to actually come in. You can't give up Kevin Knox's and, and expect to get Cam Reddish. What are you talking about? <laughs> you can't consistently <laughs> expect to give up nothing and receive something. You, no, I agree I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm just saying, like, I'm not. Saying, if we keep Alec Burks, I ain't, he ain't. Like, yeah, he, I ain't mad at I'm it. not mad at Alec Burke. I'm not mad at us keeping Evan Fournier. I'm not mad at us keeping Nerlens Noel. And, but at the same time, if we can package those guys up and get some, a player that's better, I would be that's for that as well. But I don't see it. I I'm, and I want to see it. It's very hard yeah. to see. I'm looking at all these potential trades, that, a lot of articles and it's the ones that I actually kind of like is like, yeah, but that's not going to happen. So it was like, this and this. Maybe the Knicks just have to wait until the offseason. No, we don't have to because there's guys around the NBA that can be got. And me and you don't follow every team and we don't know every single player in the NBA who can provide an impact. We know the big names, of course, because everyone knows them, but not everyone. Not everyone knows of a Desmond Bain. Not everyone knows of these guys who are the glue guys of their teams and provide impacts on their teams because they're just young players who haven't done much in the NBA. And if we can secure someone like that, that we didn't even know about or didn't even expect to be available, I feel like that that's always happening in the NBA. And those guys are always getting got 
And I just feel like I'd I'd rather start to see the Knicks become the front office that makes moves like that. And only way you can make moves like that, in my opinion, is when you get guys like Alec Burks off the team to receive guys who are going to come in and just provide an impact that just changes everything. A guy like a Derrick Rose came in and just changed the entire outlook of our season last year. Mm-hmm. Because last season, people don't really seem to remember the beginning of last season isn't that far from what we see this season outside of effort. Yeah, We didn't have a steady offense, consistent offense to rely on. We had a steady defense, and that was it. But we weren't winning games consistently. We were, for the most part throughout the season, we was swimming around 500, mostly under. Maybe tie it every now and then whenever we play a weak stretch and then we back under 500. We were, Derrick Rose came we in. We were going up and, and we down. we was rolling after that. We were above and below 500. It was We were like, we would go one game above, two games above, then we go one game below. It was kind of like that last year. This, Just like this year. Th- and this year, yes and no. This year we've been, we started off above 500, but the, for the majority of the rest of the season, Below, and it wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, we're gonna. No, it wasn't like a back and forth. Oh, unexpected win here. And they're like, no, it, like no. we just went on a streak and got back to five hundred just a few weeks ago. And we went on a streak and went right back down to three games below five hundred. Like that happened last year too. That's what I'm trying to say. It happened. We weren't consistent ha- throughout the whole year. We was just drifting around five hundred until we got we played Derek hard Williams. every night. And this season, like. We don't know what to expect when we come, when they go when those guys go out on the court, and that that's the difference. At least, like we might predict, yeah, it's gonna be like this past week. We 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 probably would have made the same prediction. And what happened this past week was actually a lot more close to what happened last season. But mm-hmm. I did not expect, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I did not expect for us to play. Memphis as hard as we did and to get it within five points and all that stuff like that's not the team that we've seen this year and that right. and that's what I mean like it, a lot more of these games that we've had where we've lost and, and you know what I mean it, it we one or two games here that we won that would have made us a little bit more identical to last season because it would have been the same thing we'd have been hovering around 500 the way that we are now we would probably mm-hmm. still be under 500 or at 500 but instead, we're what three games, four games under five hundred right now. It's 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 not identical, but it's close. And to be frank, the Eastern Conference is much better this 100%. year as well. And we've been playing a whole lot more difficult games this year than we did last year. And we definitely did get a talent upgrade, but the continuity throughout the season, the consistency throughout the season on the defensive end is just not there. Stuff flowing in the air. But I just feel like we're not far from being a great team. The pieces that we have just don't complete the puzzle. But it's out there. It's out there. We see Memphis, a team full of young guys, a few veterans, and they going. They rolling. Like, they have Brandon Clark. They got... Desmond Bain. I keep bringing up Desmond Bain. They had John Morant. They got Dylan Brooks. They got a bunch of young guys. And the Knicks have a bunch of young guys. Mm -hmm. 
we've, we, we're seeing success with young teams. Cleveland, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, all these young guys are leading the way. And they're top five in the East right now. We, we don't normally see that. We're seeing a, a, a change in the NBA. This is the first time I've, I've, I've seen anything like this where young guys are taking over. 100%. And I, I, with John Moran, it reminds me of Derrick Rose back when he was on the Bulls, mm -hmm. winning MVP in his second and third year. It was like, what? And now it's just becoming a norm. And if we can get our young guys to play at a level like that and add other young players in here who have that same mindset, who... Tibbs can mold into being a Tibbs player. Like, I feel like he's molding Cam Reddish to be right now because I don't think Cam Reddish before was a guy who could fit in, in uh, Tibbs' system because he was so unpredictable at times. And <clears throat> I think it makes the most sense to pull a trade-off like this in the middle of the season because you want guys to have time in the offseason with the coaching staff to know what to expect next season. With the guys that we got as free agents, it seemed like they didn't know what to expect coming into this season because they didn't come spend the offseason with the young guys and they ain't been practicing like oh, IQ and Ovi been practicing together, developing chemistry like how they have been. If we make a trade at the deadline, we got a guy for half a season, offseason, get to get a good look at them and see whether or not they fit. And next season we should be rolling because there should be no excuse for chemistry. And I, I, I like trade deadline trades mostly for that. I agree with you. Now, repeat your question from earlier. Which question? About the season being a waste. Oh, would the season be a waste if the Knicks didn't make a trade? Yes. What do you feel? No, I don't think the season would be a waste. I don't, I don't, I don't. There's not very many ways for the season to be a waste, in my opinion. It would be a waste if... It would be a waste if we did something that I don't expect us to do. Make a bad trade. If we made a bad trade... Got rid of Young Peace got rid of a veteran piece that we didn't need to get rid of, got rid of a pick, something like that, just because, and then we continue to lose or we lose worse, and then the season will be a waste. I don't see how, with all the talent that we have, we get Derek Rose back, we get a little bit more time for us to, to create chemistry, Julius Randle gets his head out of his rear end. Like, I don't see how it can be much worse than what it is. I think that the losses are going to pile up regardless of what we do, unless we get a, a star player. Tough schedule. But if that is, it is what it is. The Knicks should have done what they should have done by now. And that's the problem. The Knicks didn't win enough games by now. And what happens moving forward is what happens moving forward. But I... If they lose more games than they win, it's expected, no matter what they do, no matter what trade they make. At this point, you're only, the only thing that you're putting on the court, the only thing that you're doing is putting people on the court for chemistry. And hopefully it, it leads to wins, but it could also lead to losses. That's where I'm at. So if the Knicks don't make a trade, it means that they didn't think that they could do anything to improve 
the team roster wise. And they didn't want to just make a trade just to make a trade. So while you're keeping guys off the floor or you're limiting minutes for guys like Quentin Grimes and Cam Reddish, next season or in the offseason, you can address that. You can address that and you and you can you can consolidate, you can do what you need to do. You can package draft picks and whatever, like whatever it is you need to do, you can fix whatever it is you need to fix as far as minutes consolidation. But no, I don't think that, I don't think it's a waste. I just would like to see them make a trade, a good trade, and, you know, be a better team. But if they don't, it means that they can't. I trust this front office more than anything else. I trust this front office probably more than I trust Tom Thibodeau right now. So that's where I'm at. You feel like it's a waste, though? I feel like it's a waste if no moves are made. I won't say it's a waste if not a trade isn't made. Maybe someone's bought out. We pick up a free agent. I'm with that, too. There's going to be a lot of buyouts as a result of the trade deadline. I think we may see some names that we're probably surprised to see in the buyout market that we could add to this team. So if we leave the season with the same roster that we have today, then I feel like the season's a waste because I don't see the season going the way that we hoped. So you're giving up the you're giving up on the roster as currently constructed. Yeah, I got to. Okay. Got to. All right. You wanna we've been going kind of long, French. You wanna just run right into I, I don't know if you're done with that with the topic of it being a waste, but we're already an hour and 40 in. So I don't know if you want to go into predictions or if you had something, something important in, in that as a part of that, that you wanted to say. Now we could, we could go straight into predictions. So last episode, job predicted that the Knicks would go one and one. Mm. I wanted to, pre to predict that as well, but these new rules that <laughs> you're working with, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I went on to, and uh, the and the Knicks did end up going one and one. They beat Sacramento, lost to Memphis, and the upcoming games. The Knicks play the Lakers in about three hours of the time that we're recording. They were they playing tonight on ABC. We play the Jazz Monday, the Nuggets on Tuesday, and the Warriors on Thursday. You predict Knicks are gonna go one and three. I thought about zero oh and four. I thought about two and two. I, we're definitely going to lose to the Nuggets. Actually, no. Mm -mm. I don't know if we're going to lose to the Nuggets because we got Mitch now. Mm -hmm. Not yeah, saying, he, not saying that he, not, not saying that and Mitch ain't going to get abused because yeah. he's going to get abused. He's still, he's still going to get Molly whopped a little bit. He's going to get, but back. I don't think we're going to like, every time we play the Nuggets, we get blown out. And I feel like that's not going to happen this time. We still, Hopefully. I still think that we're going. I still think we're going to lose that game. I still think we're going to lose to the Warriors. <laughs> I meant to look at how how the Jazz have been doing. I'm gonna take a look at the standings. They going I, up in flames right now as we speak. <laughs> they losing right now. 
It's not more so of losing, but the chemistry isn't there. And Julius, I mean, not Julius Randle, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell seem okay. to be going at it. Their last, um, there's reports of them not getting along. Yeah, they are three and seven in their last ten. So, yeah, that's a potential win. No LeBron possibly tonight. That's a potential win. No, it's no LeBron tonight for sure. Oh, wonderful. He, he's, yeah. Okay, wonderful. So that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to win, LeBron. though. There's definitely no mellow also. Yeah. No we, mellow, but AD has been balling. AD's been wilding lately, so it's going gonna, gonna to be a tough matchup. It's not going to be no takeaway win. But from the last time we played the Lakers, they had AD, and we still blew their ass out. So mm -hmm. I'm taking the Knicks going 3-2 and two this week. I mean, three and one. Sorry, 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 sorry. You fat man. I you don't manufacturing. I graduated. <laughs> I, I graduated from high school. I got an associate's degree, and I stopped doing math ever since. So <laughs> I can't. Don't with judge. You. I can't. We going three and one this week. You heard? I can't with you. Yeah, <laughs> we're definitely losing the, to the Warriors. They are nine and one in their last ten. Yeah, that's the one loss. Every other game, I think we can win. The Nuggets don't really scare me as much anymore due to all the injuries they have. Michael Porter's gone. Who, who's available for the Nuggets? Let me see. I'll tell you right now. The Nuggets are only really playing. I think Aaron Gordon's injured too. Austin Rivers is playing. Compazzo's not really playing. And he was the one that guy that I was a little nervous about because he's really good. Monte Morris, Will Barton, like it's the same usual suspects with Denver. I think that we can take them. Okay. Jazz, they're going through a little sum right now with they star players. They're not really getting along. There's reports that Donovan Mitchell wants out of Utah and his main destination would be the Knicks. I ain't want to really talk about it on the on the on the podcast because it's not really confirmed. But his father works for the Mets. He's from New York. He ain't hiding the fact that he loved New York. He ain't hiding the fact that he loved the Knicks. Hey, I ain't mad to see Donovan Mitchell in New York, but he, <laughs> I, well, all I'm saying is that we can take that game on Monday, and the Lakers today they could be had too. So I'm going three and one. The Lakers can be had. The Jazz they can be had. had yeah. Damn, why did I go one and three? If Too the late. Knicks go two and two. Stick with it. If the Knicks, no, I'm not. I already said what I said. If the Knicks, because I, I still don't have faith in Julius Randle. And that's basically, that's why I said one and three. I have no faith in Julius Randle. I have no faith in, in him doing what he needs to do. The Knicks can 100% go three and one. They can go two and two. And... I, I just have no faith. If they come out of this three and one, though, our playoff hopes are still alive. That's 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 basically what it comes down to. Right now, the Knicks are, excuse me, standings. The twelfth seed, beast. The Knicks are currently the twelfth seed in the East. If they, they are behind Washington in eleven, Atlanta mm -hmm. in ten. Atlanta has twenty five and twenty seven. Washington is 24 and 27. The Knicks are 24 and 28. If the Knicks are able to make up ground or surpass both of those teams by the, ne by the next episode, 
It's going to bode well. So, yeah, I'm only going to judge the Knicks based on how I've seen them last. Julius Randle played hard his last two games, so. Well, that's that's exactly because we always do that. That's exactly why I said one and three, because the way they played last, they played great all. They played great in the two games this week. I 100% expect for them to not play that way the next week, especially Julius. If if he has another good week, hey, we might be looking at something. Okay, French, you have... Oh, you, you have... Nothing to say. You have nothing to say. You have no <laughs> recommendations, no TV recommendations, nothing. I haven't watched TV all week. I'm sorry. Next week... I should have. That's some, what you said last week. Updates. Flake. Hey, it's been, it's been a long week. <laughs> you know what? I finally got around to watching. And I, I believe you're the one who told me that I need to watch it. Season three of Daredevil. Let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, that's crazy because last night going to sleep, I'm looking for just something to watch to go to sleep. I'm tired, but I don't like sleeping just with nothing on. I normally sleep with headphones, but for some reason this last week, I lost both my headphones. So I'm just like, all right, I'm going to watch something to go to sleep. And I'm just searching on Netflix for like 10, 15 minutes. I stop on Daredevil. I'm like, let me go back and watch season two. Turned on season two, didn't really fuck with it. Turned on season three and I'm just watching and then I would fall asleep. I'm like, I'm about to watch this again tomorrow. So after this, after we done recording, that's what I'm going to go to. What were you going to guess? I was going to guess what I told you to go watch. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Lovecraft Country. Oh, I have been watching. Like, I haven't been watching it consistently, but I am like halfway through the first season of Lovecraft Country. Yeah, maybe that could be my recommendation for this episode. Go watch Lovecraft Country on HBO. Don't trust what it looks like in the beginning. It's it's, it's a crazy series. It's, interesting... it's not what you expect. It's very interesting. It tells history uh, stories. That's what I enjoyed most about it. Told, yeah, for sure. It told, it's it's not it's not historically accurate all the way through, but they they show they play off of history or they give representation. Yeah, they play off of what things events that happen in history. I, I and that's what I, I really enjoyed like most about. I really the show. like so, I really like Lovecraft. It might not be for everybody. No. It's 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 definitely something that is for a specific group. Maybe I don't know. If you like sci-fi, if you like horror, if you like black people. <laughs> didn't watch the show yes. so I, uh, I just want to say yeah that's my recommendation I just want to say Daredevil season 3 was done right like I yeah. like season 2 yeah I forgot that season 2 was bad it, it's not that it was not bad, it wasn't it bad wasn't it's just like cause Daredevil season 1 that started everything with that whole yeah. Marvel Netflix like and Daredevil season 1 was good I might have mm -hmm. to go back to watch season 1 in the near future, just so I could compare to see which one was better, because I remember Daredevil season one having me hooked like that. But Daredevil, Daredevil season three, season three got it. Season three got it. Season three is different. Season three is different. Season three of Daredevil is different. I'm trying to tell I, you. I did not. I don't even like Marvel. I didn't even. I didn't. I was like, yo, this joint just keeps getting better and better. And I thought, all right, this is what's gonna happen. Nope. Yeah. Took me nah. through another swerve at me. It's like, yo, what are they about yeah. to do? And then the way yeah. they ended it, perfect. Like I, yeah. like I, I thought that they was gonna have this redemption story. Nope. <laughs> but anyway, and you don't even you don't even have to follow Marvel story. Like if you know Daredevil and you just 
are fine watching superhero stuff. It's not really much of a superhero flick type TV show where it's not what you expect. He doesn't wear Just go and watch Daredevil. He doesn't even uh, wear the suit the entire season. Like, like yeah, somebody else like, wears the suit more than him. Yeah. Daredevil never wears the suit in this season. And... All right, stop spoiling stuff. I mean, I'm just... There's nothing to spoil here. I'm just saying he don't wear the suit. You gotta watch it. If you're listening and you haven't watched Daredevil, watch it from the beginning. It's gonna be slow, but just stick with it. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me and Ja. <laughs> We give it two thumbs up. Four. All right, y'all. <laughs> yeah, so that is that is our recommendations-ish of the week. Once again, thank you guys for listening. When you, Make sure you check us out on the YouTube. Subscribe, mm-hmm. like, listen, watch, all that good stuff. We appreciate mm-hmm. y'all. We love you. Thank love you y'all. for listening to the Podcast. Peace out. The Mixtape Podcast. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Mixtape. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.